The operator of a Pacific-wide network of pharmacy companies, IAS Mohammed Musa Ubmaji, was sentenced to four years prison in New Zealand in August for illegally importing millions of dollars worth of pseudoephedrine, a precursor chemical of methamphetamine. But a joint investigation by the Organised Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, the Fiji Times, the New Zealand Herald and Radio New Zealand, has found that behind the conviction of Umaji was a far murkier story. The Fijian national had long been a target of police in his home country, but had for years escaped justice. That was thanks to what Fijian and international law enforcement say was an unwillingness by the previous authoritarian government of Frank Bainimarama to seriously tackle meth and cocaine trafficking. Fiji's new government, which was elected last December, is now investigating donations that Umaji and his family made to the previous ruling party, as well as potential connections to top law enforcement officials. Kuroi Hawkins spoke with the lead Pacific editor for the Organised Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, Aubrey Balford, and began by asking how they got wind of the story. Uh, yes, yeah, so this story started, you know, as a lot of stories do in the Pacific, that there were a lot of rumours uh, around about uh, Ayaz Musa Umarji and um, his alleged involvement in drug trafficking. And so we were looking into him and then we realised earlier this year that he had actually surrendered himself to authorities in New Zealand and pleaded guilty uh, to importing pseudoephedrine, which is a um, precursor chemical for making meth uh, into New Zealand uh, using different branches of his hyperchem companies, which are pharmacies spread throughout the Pacific. So as we started looking into this, we, we wanted to look behind it, you know, into who is uh, this person, you know, what are his connections in Fiji and, and why did it take so long for there to be a successful case against him? And and he's he's been up to this point a pillar of the community. I mean, he's been quite a, a prominent businessman. He was the vice president of the Fiji Football Association. Uh, the hyperchem pharmacies are quite widespread, not just in Fiji, but also uh, there are branches in Solomon Islands. Uh, there's newly established uh, branch in Vanuatu. Uh, previously, there were also companies registered in Samoa. Um, so yes, I mean, he was reasonably prominent in the community. And, you know, what we found looking into this is that he was suspected of involvement in, in the drug trade as far back as, as 2017. He was on the Fiji police's radar. Uh, he was charged by New Zealand police in 2019. But despite that, and despite it being, you know, fairly open secret, um, he uh, still maintained these positions in the Fiji Football Federation in business. And also he and his uh, family and business partners uh, donated to the former ruling party, to Fiji First Party. And in your investigations, talking about how long he's been able to operate until being convicted now, what were your findings in terms of how he managed to, I guess, stay in those positions so long? I mean, there really was a, a, a feeling in Fiji for, for many years that he was a difficult target to reach. Uh, he was seen as being um, well-connected in the country. Uh, local police investigation just didn't manage to collect uh, the evidence that would have been needed uh, to convict him. So actually, the way that he ended up going down was that New Zealand police looked into the case 
uh, and actually looked into an already existing case of, of someone who was arrested in Auckland with a large amount of um, cold and flu pills that had pseudoephedrine in them. And when they looked into that case and, and you know, the details of how that was moved into the country, they found that it was Musa's Hyperken network that was uh, used to facilitate this. Uh, and so really that was, in the end, how the case was built. Uh, but it was very hard, even after that point, to, to still... You know, it took about two years for uh, extradition to be granted from Fiji. And by the time it was granted, it turned out that um, as Musa had already left uh, Fiji and, and gone to India. Uh, so then, you know, it was a long process again to get him back. He ended up actually turning himself in uh, and was sentenced to four years in prison uh, just in August. Yeah, but it was it was quite a long and drawn out process. Have you had a response from the the former um, Fiji government administration, um, uh, our former Prime Minister Baini Marama, Ayas Said Kayum, the Attorney General? We reached out to all of them for comment. And we received no response from any of them, unfortunately. Um, we did send them, you know, detailed written questions, but yes, up until this point, there's been no response. All of this again, bringing bringing to light. Um, we've heard talks about the drug highway, so to speak, of the tran- transition of drugs across the Pacific. This this sort of the first insight into actually some of the rumours that we've been hearing about um, this trade being embedded and getting being able to flourish because of connections in each of the islands. Yes, yeah, so the Pacific is really in a pretty uh, important drug route for our region. You know, Australia and New Zealand have some of the highest prices for cocaine and meth, the highest retail prices. So anyone who's producing this in North and South America uh, really, I mean, if they're able to get across the Pacific to these markets, the profits are immense. Uh, And obviously the Pacific Islands are right in the middle of this. Fiji in particular is a really important transit point because Fiji really is a hub of the Pacific. You know, the Nandi Airport is is a major airport. Uh, There are seaports there, the mail comes through Fiji. So, you know, it's been known for quite some time that it is an important transit point. And it's a place that, you know, international criminal networks are operating. What's really interesting about the case of Ayaz Musa is that he is a Fijian with a Pacific-wide pharmacy good network that is also has been involved in the supply of uh, pseudoephedrine, you know, into this, this market. Uh, it really just highlights how important the Pacific drug trade is, and also just how much it's been perhaps overlooked uh, for quite some time uh, and really allowed to thrive. I mean, this is really a growing industry. Uh, It's immensely profitable. And, you know, when you're talking about the Pacific, where countries are often, you know, just not that big, uh, the amount of money in play can really affect things. Um, and, and you obviously, as with um, all of your stories, uh, Pacific collaboration with uh, different orgs in the region and in New Zealand and our, our team at RNZ Pacific also able to contribute on this project? Yes, um, we got great contribution here from the RNZ Pacific team. Kelvin and Lydia um, are just great reporters and you know, the contribution has been invaluable. We also worked with the Fiji Times on this one uh, and we worked with the New Zealand Herald. Uh, Jared Savage there, who's a fantastic reporter on organised crime here in New Zealand. We couldn't have done it without any of our partners.